What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, we have Dave Mead. Dave is a longtime Austinite and the co-founder and chief marketing officer for Rambler Sparkling Water. Um, y'all may be familiar with Rambler. They've kind of grown to become a pretty well-known Austin brand and have uh, spread across the nation at this point. Um, and so it was very fun getting to talk with Dave and hear about the backstory, how they got it started. He turns out to had been a professional photographer for a large, large portion of his life before starting the company. And so he had a lot of fun stories to tell and just old Austin stuff that was great. Um, and on a side note, I'm very excited to announce that Rambler is actually uh, our, now our first sponsor. And so uh, very cool to have sponsor join the 1776 team as our first sponsor. And I just think it's really neat to have a, a local company like this that's really putting their money where their mouth is. I mean, you can look at this can that they did um, helping Texas State Park, celebrating it. And um, it's pretty cool to be able to look down and see, you know, Texas State Parks on a brand like this um, working together. And so we're very excited to have them as a sponsor for the podcast. Um, even more excited that Dave came on and uh, shared a few stories with us. So I hope you all enjoy. sometimes get in the way of, of things having been a photographer and um, <laughs> I guess got interviewed in Dallas uh, a couple weeks ago for like NBC DFW for a thing and we were shooting out in the parking lot and there were they were having some technical difficulties on like just the light lighting and shit mm -hmm. so I started throwing terms around like flagging and they're like how do you know these terms yeah, Allison you know your friend from Explore Ranches um when she was on, I'd mentioned that you may be coming on and, mm -hmm. you know, she went on just how good of a guy you were. And, um, and I asked her, I was like, Dave seems like one of those guys that he just knows everybody. And it's like, I don't know how. And she was like, well, he was a photographer and this and that. And so I'm curious. I mean, what's your history? I know you're an old. How do I Austin know everybody? It's yeah. I'm old, dude. <laughs> um, man, I, I grew up in Houston. My dad brought me to a UT football game when I was in seventh grade. And I remember it being on a day that was like 72 degrees and, not a cloud in the sky, and he took me to Schultz Beer Garden, and we sat on the 50-yard line, and Texas destroyed Missouri, and then I saw Lake Austin and I and the hills, and I just remember thinking, this is nothing like Houston. Mm -hmm. I don't know where I am, but this is where I want to live my life. And this so, is the spot. Yeah, so I um, UT was the only school that I ever really wanted to attend, and I went to UT and stayed here, and so I've been here most of my life. Um, been here since the late 80s. Wow. Um, so I've seen it explode <laughs> and I've got a deep network. I'm really fortunate to have a lot of friends and know a lot of people. And so, uh, yeah, it happens that I, 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 you know, that conversation comes up a lot that I, mm -hmm. that I know a lot of people, but <laughs> comes with age. Yeah. I first met you. Um, I'm friends with, uh, Jordan and uh, Jordan Vaughn mm -hmm. and his wife, uh, Eva, Ava. Um, mm -hmm. and they were, so I'm out, they had a, get together at Zilker Brewing and you were yeah, there I, I think that's that, yeah. it was a long time ago and I, that's when I first you were kind of on my radar and um and Rambler seems like it just kind of came out of nowhere I mean I know you guys obviously aren't an overnight success but it seems like all of a sudden Rambler was just like this iconic Austin brand to me and so I'm kind of curious I know it's not an overnight success I mean how did it what's yeah. the, how'd that all play well, out well it didn't come out of nowhere and it took a minute um and I will tell you that we actually had the idea of doing uh, a sparkling water um, and giving Austinites uh, an alternative to Topo Chico probably in 2014 we had the idea. Okay. That was 10 years ago. And it took us four years really to like gather ourselves, um, come up with a, uh, a mineral formula. We hired a water scientist 
came up with a mineral formula that was um, you know calcium magnesium potassium uh, but that was sodium free um, and one that was made locally uh, in Texas uh, that was sustainable and it's and how we sourced it uh, that was in you know infinitely recyclable aluminum cans versus heavy glass bottles uh, and then one that had a give back program so really you know the idea of Rambler came from us drinking a lot of Topo Chico uh, and then just and it was funny you know Austinites will really latch on to a local brand like nobody mm-hmm. um, and so I think you know like everybody in Austin was drinking Topo Chico and we had sort of like as a city had kind of adopted Topo Chico as if it was our own as if it was like a local sparkling water and then we recognized wait a minute we're we're drinking water from Mexico um, in heavy glass bottles uh, this doesn't really make any sense so so yeah, so four years later, after having the idea, um, we had you know developed a mineral formula. Uh, we created uh, the brand um, Rambler. The, the the packaging, you know, I think everyone really loves it. You know, we like to say Rambler is the sparkling water that looks like a beer and drinks like a beer. Um, I've heard that before. That's good. Yeah, and it works. It, it um, you know, there's a lot of uh, folks who are sober or want, who those who want to drink responsibly. Um, and in the bars and in the restaurants and in the music venues at concerts, um, it just works really well. Um, but it's a really great tasting sparkling water. Um, you know, the, 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 the mineral blend, it's a proprietary mineral blend that we, that we developed, uh, in our filtration system. Um, but you know, again, it was really a way for us to, uh, offer Austinites and Texans, um, an alternative to Topo Chico. Um, and so that's really why and how we got to market. But yeah, in 2018, we launched and we launched with the original formula. Um, and this can, we can talk about this, um, whenever you're ready, but this is, uh, I think a lot of people recognize, uh, this can is obviously being commemorative. Yeah. Um, Let's break it down. I mean, I'm a huge fan of state parks, obviously, and conservation. And so this can, you know, there's a reason why I bought this one in the store. I think it looks great. So I'd love if you want to dive into it. Well, this can actually uh, celebrates 100 years of Texas state parks, which was last year, which was uh, 2023. Um, And so we teamed up with Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, which is our local partner. Uh, We also partner with American Rivers on the national level. But here in Texas, when we first got to market in 2018, we reached out to them before we even had a, uh, a product and just said, hey, we're working on a, on a sparkling water, a mineral formula, uh, but we do not want to be just another water on the shelf. We want to make sure that if we're taking from Texas that we're giving back, um, would you want to partner with us? And so we talked through it, um, and they agreed and loved the idea of it. And so we developed a um, – we came up with an agreement and a partnership, um, and so – um, was that before you were in stores? I mean, before you were yeah, really before we were ever in stores, okay. um, we you know we had the formula, we had the packaging, we had the partnership solidified uh, with Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, um, and so um, you know that's how last year we had a conversation with them and said, hey, look, this is the 100 years of Texas State Parks. Let's do a commemorative packaging and and present it to HEB and see uh, how they feel about it. We went to HEB and said, hey, how would you guys like to uh, partner up with us and do this commemorative packaging celebrating 100 years of Texas State Parks? And you'll get exclusivity. Like, you'll be the only retailer carrying this product. Oh, I didn't realize that. How cool. Oh, yeah. Um, and so uh, Rambler, Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, and HEB partnered up on this commemorative packaging, which we're really proud of. Uh, and that's why on the back of the can you'll see Our Texas, Our Future, which is their sustainability mm-hmm. program. 
um, and then Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation with a little story about it. Uh, and then on the front, we just, you know, um, wanted to uh, create a packaging uh, that sort of elevated the flora and fauna of Texas, and that's why you've got the bald eagle. Um, a lot of folks might not even know that there are bald eagles in Texas. But, Is that an uh, ocelot? What's the yeah? That's an cat? ocelot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a horny toad on here. There's a well, there's a white tail. We might have to be careful. That mic the mic might pick up. The oh, sorry. Can you're fine, but um, there's a I think that's a warbler over there on the left. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's 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 fun. Very and, cool. Yeah, and so there these the, this packaging is still on some shelves um, but this was really celebrating 2023 and 50 years what do you um you know obviously this can will probably go away at some point we can't you know but is this what do you what's your expectations with this can are you going to leave it around for a little while or no no this was with? the idea was that this was only going to be a, um, a program for 2023 okay um and you know it's got the gold top on it and obviously you know it, it um uh, obviously, this thing sticks out on the shelf and, mm -hmm. and looks commemorative, and it is. And, and but the idea was that it was for 2023. There may be some inventory left, and and the program works so well that I think HEB agreed that they would uh, continue the program into the first quarter of this year. Very nice. cool. Um, so you you can still find it on shelves in, in certain HEB stores. I'm gonna have to save a can and uh, turn it into a candle or something. It's yeah, it's a cool. Um, yeah, it's definitely a keeper. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. So you were saying, you know, you know, we at the beginning, you know, as we founded it. So who's part of your team? I mean, who is it? Who's the group that put this together? So the three founders are myself, uh, James Moody, and Jeff Truxis. We're the three founders. Uh, we we've got a really great team. Um, many are here in Austin. Uh, we've got an office over on East Cesar Chavez, um, but our our team now is about twenty people. And where we've got um, sales reps in Dallas and in San Antonio and in Houston, and we've got a national sales team, uh, and they're doing a really great job of of really you know trying to get us into retailers in different parts of the country. Um, and so yeah, right now I think we're in like I think nationwide we're in like 7,500 outlets. Wow. So Christ. you know it we've got to market in 2018, and so now we're going on six years, and there are days when it feels like we're still. A startup and that we're just crawling um, but then there are days when I have to stop and just recognize holy cow we're in grocery stores all over the country and I have friends who reach out from different parts of the country and different cities saying man I just found you guys in my local bodega in Brooklyn and, oh, wow. <laughs> and so and, and it's hard to keep track of some of these um, some of these markets and some of these stores because um, you know they're large retailers that pull from the ma major distributors but then there are a lot of like independent groceries who are picking it up from the distributors and we have no way of really tracking it. And so oftentimes it's just kind of a nice surprise when somebody calls and says, Hey, I found you at my local bodega or wherever it might be, or a bar or a restaurant. Yeah. So, how cool. Yeah. It's fun. That's amazing. Um, so when you guys had this idea, you know, drinking Topo Chico and you're like, let's do our own water company. I mean, I want to break that down. There had to been some good liquor or something involved. I mean, you guys sitting around a campfire and said, let's do this own thing. I mean, is there any fun stories on how that um, really played out? You know, well, it actually came to be because uh, James Moody and I were actually talking about starting uh, a bar restaurant together. Um, and we were actually going through the motions of looking at um, real estate. We're looking at property in East Austin. And the idea was that there's a, there's a really, if you want to really break it down, is there's, a, uh, there's a restaurant in New Orleans called Port of Call. Uh, and it's, a, it's an old historic burger joint it's a dive and they're known for their like a burger and a baked potato and this ridiculous drink i think it's called a monsoon or something i don't know um 
And we love that place, and we both um, love a good nautical-themed um, bar. And so we thought, man, let's let's see if we can pull this off here in Austin, but elevate it a bit, maybe pull in Aaron Franklin, see if he wants to do the menu. And, and so we had big plans to do like a, rest- a bar restaurant. And then we also recognized that we were all drinking Topo Chico and that everyone was drinking sparkling water. And we thought, man, with the de- decline of soda and this, the explosion of sparkling water and the fact that we're drinking copious amounts of Topo Chico every day, may- maybe we start our own sparkling water and we'll use this restaurant bar as a sort of a launching pad um, and a place to, you know, introduce it. And so, but the more we started looking at doing this bar restaurant and the more we started looking at the sparkling water, we just thought, man, this is too good of an opportunity and this would be a lot of fun and let's just punt this bar restaurant. Let's go all in on the sparkling water. And so that's when we just put, uh, put everything into it. But it, and it took a while because I was a photographer, um, had a family, um, so at that point, were you just full-time photographer, oh, yeah. kind of freelance out well, there? And, well, and James, um, you know, he's he's got many businesses. He's a, he's an entrepreneur and has a lot going on. And Jeff Truxus, our third partner, um, you know, he was busy. We all have families. And, and so it was a bit of a slow crawl, but we were pretty uh, determined to make it happen. And so, um, yeah, four years later, we got to market. Um, no restaurant, but all in on this. Um, and we presented uh the, i mean you know the first venue uh the first outlet uh, for rambler ended up being the mohawk which is james moody's oh, yeah. um, bar uh live music venue um so that was sort of like the the launching pad for rambler and then uh, aaron franklin who's a good friend of ours um uh he wanted it for his restaurant so you know when the mohawk brought it in and franklin barbecue brought it in then there was a lot of people in austin who said i want to try that mm-hmm. um so really fortunate that we um you know had a lot of support from the beginning and um yeah and then it just kind of took off and you know different bars and restaurants started pulling it in um michael fotage who's a dear friend um who has olame uh and mayday and and some other businesses um other restaurants he reached out and said hey I, i want rambler and that was really um that was a really exciting opportunity because that's when we realized, holy cow, like, you know, we're, we're in an aluminum can and it looks like a beer. I mean, clearly the, our branding is, you know, we were inspired by vintage beer packaging when we developed this thing. But that's when we realized, man, Rambler being served at Olame, like one of Austin's most upscale, uh, one of you know, Austin's finest restaurants, um, that's pretty amazing. Um, we figured that, you know, maybe like those types of restaurants might only want something in a glass bottle and... Uh, but he said, no, I mean, I want it and I'm going to put it on the menu and we'll serve it out of the can, wow. put it on the table. <laughs> and so first time I went over to Olame and uh, saw Rambler on the menu and they uh, delivered it uh, on a silver tray uh, and <laughs> set it, set it on a white tablecloth. I just thought, man, this might work. Yeah. How um, cool. Yeah. People like it. Um, and it's, it's working. So again, like we're, I think we're 7,500 outlets all over the country. Um, and we're in here in Austin, we're in a good bit of the bars and restaurants um we're in most of the grocery stores um but you know there's there's uh, still are uh, what we like to call water wars uh there's a lot of options out there and um you know and i think austinites in particular and texans uh and now you know nationally i think people are recognizing us uh, as a being a better sparkling water in that we taste better because we take the time to purify the water uh, put minerals back into the water, hold back the sodium. So it's, you know, it. you want your water to taste like something. 
Um, you don't want to drink a purified water with no minerals added back. I mean, obviously, it, it doesn't it doesn't taste as good, but also um, your body will actually a um, purified water uh, will actually leach minerals from your body. So, I mean, you know, calcium, magnesium, potassium, all the things that come in, in Rambler, they're good for you. It's better tasting. Um, so, I think people are recognizing that we're a, we're a premium sparkling water. Yeah, it's great to hear too about you know being in the bars and restaurants. I never thought about it until you just brought it up. But Forrest and I don't drink. Actually, it's pretty hits home. You know, be able to go yeah. out and order one of these. Um, I, I love that that dynamic to it. Um, how is so when you guys decided to embark on this venture and you want to start a water company? You know, as you know, entrepreneurs and businessmen ourselves, I, I'm fascinated. What was the first week like? I mean, who do you, who's your first call? How do you do that? I mean, well, where are you getting your water? I mean, that whole breakdown. So we actually got to market. Uh, these are great questions. Um, we got to market um, through Austin Beer Works. Uh, we love their beer. So did you pick up the phone and call Beer Works and say, yeah. hey, we want to do water yeah. help kind of deal? I we mean, actually reached out to Austin Beer Works um, because we were having a hard time finding a co-packer uh, that had the capacity that wanted to take us on. And we thought, man, maybe a brewery could help us take our mineral formula. They've got the water source. We don't want to tap sensitive water supplies. Like we're, we're not taking water from a spring, from an aquifer. Um, we wanted to use municipal water where we can get good, clean drinking water, but make it better through a filtration system that we developed, this limestone filtration system. We run the water through reverse osmosis, um, purify it, take out all the minerality and all the impurities, and then put back our own special mineral blend. So we reached out to Austin Beer Works and said, hey man, we love your beer, we drink your beer, we have an idea for a sparkling water, we've got the formula, we've got the packaging, we've got Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation on board, um, and would you have any interest in, in helping us get to market um, and us using your canning line, and we pay you, and they said, yeah, let's look at it. So we worked through an agreement, and we used their facility for the first couple of years we were making water at Austin Beer Works exclusively wow. here uh, in town at their yeah office. wow yeah so they would actually like you know once or twice a month they would work into their production schedule they would you know clean clean out one of their big bright tanks and uh, fill it full of water and put in our mineral blend and and um, we'd show up one morning with breakfast tacos and we would taste the water and make sure that it was um, that it was you know on point and and then we'd let it run and They'd make a bunch of water for us, and then we'd get it out to the bars and the restaurants. And and then we, you know, knowing that we wanted to have a retail play too, we reached out to HEB and just said, hey, we've got a, a sparkling water that we'd like to pitch to you. Um, and they gave us an opportunity to come drop samples at, in San Antonio. So I drove to San Antonio and dropped off some water, and they uh, sampled the water, and then they called us back and said, hey, uh, we'd like to have a meeting with you. Um, we thought for sure that they were probably going to say, come back to us when you're in 12 packs, uh, because Austin Beer Works doesn't do cartons. They only do um, the, the Pac-Tech toppers, uh, which okay. I'm sure you've seen yeah, the, yeah. the plastic yeah. Pac-Tech mm -hmm. toppers. So that was the way we got to market. Um, and HEB, when we told them, hey, look, we, we're not yet in fridge packs, um, and we're only in six packs, which further sort of like sort of cemented us as like the sparkling water that looked like a beer and drank like a beer. Mm -hmm. I mean, it look, looks like a six-pack of beer. Uh, they said, you know, it's fine. That's actually a great trial um, for consumers. Um, we'll give you 10 stores as a test, and we'll put you on shelf next to Topo Chico and, and some of these other uh, sparkling water brands, uh, and we'll see how it does. And how so, nervous were you at that point when you put um, it in the stores? And pretty nervous. <laughs> I was nervous. Um, it was also funny because I was doing a lot of the um, – 
lot of the ditch digging uh, in the beginning. And so I was the one who was actually wheeling water into the back of a lot of these stores and bars and restaurants on a dolly. And I was wheeling water into the back of these 10 HEBs that they had given us that were all here local and they were all in Austin. Mm -hmm. And I'd get, you know, yelled at by store managers and, and, uh, or I'd walk in and just say, Hey man, you know, is there any chance of us getting like an in cap or can we get a display? And, and I'll never forget going to this one HEB and this manager who didn't want to give me the time of day and he was probably like half my age and I'm like wheel I'm like following him around with a dolly of water. Um what is an end cap? Oh I'm sorry, an end cap is like the at the end of an aisle where you've got like an end cap that it might have like a, a price and it may have like, you know, like a bunch of product um stacked up. It's gotcha. that's, that's the end cap. And that's probably pretty hot space you want to be That's a good in. place to be. Okay. But but sometimes those end caps aren't positioned like on the sparkling water aisle. They may be like five mm -hmm. aisles over. So people who are like going to the store for sparkling water, they may just go find the aisle. They're gonna like to see what they've got and then they're gonna pick their water and leave. But it also allows sometimes for people to be cruising by with their cart who aren't necessarily looking for sparkling water, who, you know, an impulse purchase. Um, so it, it works both ways, but I'll never forget this one manager uh, I was trying to have a conversation with him and he was busy and didn't want to give me the time of day. And so he's like, walk with me. And so he's walking and I'm trying to like catch up to him and I'm trying to talk to him. And I, f you know, I, I asked him, I was like, man, do you guys have an end cap for us? We'd, I'd love to fill an end cap. And, and, uh, and he's like, man, I don't have any available end caps. I don't, you know, sorry, I can't help you. Uh, and then after talking to him and, and I think maybe, you know, he warmed up a little bit. Um, he's like, all right, follow me. And then he, we went over this end cap where it was like loaded with chips and I don't even remember the brand. And he's like, go get a cart, come back, take all these chips off. He put uh, you to work? He put me to work. <laughs> he's like, take all the chips off, um, stack your water. Um, and when I come back, if I don't like it, you're gonna redo it. Um, so make it look good, I'll be back in a bit. And so I was like, oh shit. So, um, so I went and got a cart and uh, went out to my truck and loaded it all up with product, brought it back. Um, you know, stacked the, uh, the end cap and, uh, went and found him and he, he came back and looked at it and didn't really say anything, just kind of nodded his head and, and said, uh, all right, looks pretty good. How do I get one of those hats you're wearing? Uh, so I said, okay, great. I got this guy. Uh, so that was the, um, that was the beginning of us, you know, really, you know, getting some opportunities in that particular store, but, uh, and it's a store by store basis often, um, when they'll give you an end cap or give you a floor to display and that kind of thing i'm sure so, yeah. oh good heb is local in texas only correct they're only in texas um and they uh right now they're like really going after the dfw area gotcha. um which is sort of um that's kind of uh that's kroger land up there and so um we're in we're in whole foods uh in many states we're in all the central markets uh, statewide uh we're in heb uh, we just got authorized for uh, kroger texas uh, we just got authorized for Target Texas. We're already in some Target stores in Dallas and in Houston. Nice. Um, and uh, we never really, because we are a premium sparkling water, um, it's a little higher priced. I mean, it's, you know, somewhere in between like some of like the, like a LaCroix or and a Topo Chico, but it's, um, you know, we, we consider it to be a premium product, um, particularly with the give back program and all that. We never really, I don't, from in the beginning, never really envisioned being like a sparkling water that might be on the shelf at a Target or a Walmart or a Costco. But they actually reached out to us. Uh, Walmart reached out to us and they gave us about a year ago, uh, maybe six, nine months ago, gave us 500 stores. Uh, Texas, wow. Louisiana, um, I think Arkansas, Mississippi, 
Um, anyway, so now we're on shelves at all the big box stores too, or not all of them, but some of them. Um, so you can find us at, you know, local bodegas and, and, um, some of these smaller markets. Um, but you know, HEB statewide, central market statewide. Um, and then, you know, Whole Foods, uh, I think we're in 13 states with Whole Foods. Uh, they just gave us authorization for three more states on the West Coast. So I think we'll be getting this spring. I think we get California, Arizona, Nevada, maybe. So um, as you grow across the country, will you remain that your water is sourced from Texas? or? If well, that's, that is, that's a good question. And the, the whole idea behind this, the sourcing our water sustainably um, and purifying the water and putting a mineral blend back into it, the whole idea was we didn't like the idea of, of like Topo Chico, they're pulling water out of the ground in Mexico, in Monterey, Mexico, and they're trucking that water in heavy glass bottles from one point all, all over the United States. And like the carbon footprint of that is just kind of, it's absurd. And so we thought, you know, we're not going to tap sensitive water supplies and let's create uh, a formula that starts with purifying municipal water and then putting a mineral blend back into it so that we can eventually have different points of, of uh, production and distribution to cut down on that carbon, carbon footprint. So we actually make water in Texas. Um, we make water in Georgia. Uh, we're making water in, uh, I believe, upstate New York. Uh, and we're making our energy product um, in um, Washington. Okay. So we've got different points. And, and there will be, uh, I'm sure, over the, over the lifespan of Rambler, there will end up being other co-packers in other areas across the country making the same exact formula, starting with the purification and then the adding back of the minerals um, that will just give us more points of, of production and distribution and cut down on that carbon footprint. That's an awesome solution that seems to be the biggest problem with Topo Chico and their business model with that carbon footprint. Yeah, and, and there's another, um, you know, not to make this all about bashing Topo Chico. And, Let's do it. And, I'm here for it. Okay, all right. If you guys want to do it, I do it all, I do it all day long. Fine by me. Um, but they, um, they also, so about a year ago probably, uh, I'm just guessing, uh, there was a report on PFAs, which are the microplastics in water. And Topo Chico, there was, the, the report came back that Topo Chico had the highest level of any PFAs of any sparkling water. That's interesting, though, because they're in glass. It seems like you would expect that from, like, a plastic bottle? Or? Well, I, I, I think it's probably just in maybe the ground source. I, oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I can't speak to that, but I do know that their PFAs were off the charts, really high, like dangerous levels. And so, um, well, I imagine Mexico's regulation on their food and water probably not products as, is not probably not as stringent as ours. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing. I don't know. Um, and I'm sure Coca-Cola has found a way to remedy that. Um, they they had to. There was a lot of people who reached out to us. Does Coke own Topo Chico? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I guess I failed that. to mention that. Like right when we got to market, Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola bought Topo Chico, so it, it's a Coca-Cola brand, okay. um, which has really allowed us to like just remind consumers, like, hey, look, you're, if you're drinking Topo Chico, you're drinking water from Mexico owned by Coca-Cola and heavy glass bottles, high in PFAs, high in sodium, or you can drink locally sourced water made in Texas that's you know uh, sodium-free. Um, our PFAs are uh, non-detectable. Um, so, um, you know, that's... Um, beginning where we were going with the PFAs, but, um, but ours, we, you know, because so many people were reaching out after that Topo Chico report, um, we actually asked our co-packer here in Texas to like run a report on our PFAs so that we could answer to it. Um, and they gave us a report uh, showing that they're non-detectable. So, wow. 
So That's it's awesome. it's a it's a really good thing to message. Hey, Dave, real quick, can you try to tap on the table a little less? Oh, is it oh, picking it up a little bit? Sorry, mm-hmm. Cool. No okay. All good. Nice. Thanks for heads up. Yeah. Well, and full disclosure, um, I did not genuinely like drinking sparkling water until very recently. Mm-hmm. For the majority of my life, I never understood it. I just thought it was water that hurt, and it made no sense to <laughs> yeah. me. I was like, why would anybody yeah, drink kids, this the stuff? The kids call it spicy water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah. So I was that. I was in that camp for a very long time, and never made sense to me. Um, and then here recently, I don't know what changed. All of a sudden, I love it. Um, but with that being said, I don't know how this works. Like when you carbonate water, I know you can do that, obviously. But what does that process look like? And then on top of that, you say add minerals in. I mean, is that like, you know, one of the big metal tanks I envision in a brewery with like a dude with a bucket of minerals? I mean, how does that process work? Well, the, the carbonation, the CO2, um, you know, is injected uh, into into the water. The minerals are it's really like we have a uh, and I, it's hard for me to talk about like you know measuring out like um, minerals like for like a gigantic bright tank of of, uh, of water if we're going to do a run of water it's hard to know like how much that is but i've seen our minerals uh, and they come in gigantic bags um, uh, just white powder that um, that has been uh, measured out um, so the, the calcium the magnesium and the potassium those are all mixed in and they're in one bag um, and so when, when, when it comes time for a run, they actually mix that in with the water. They make a slurry um, with the water and, uh, and the minerals, and then that gets pumped into the bright tank with all the water, and, they, uh, and that's where it gets carbonated. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure exactly where in, in the process and in the line the carbonation happens. Um, but to answer your question about the minerals, it's a it's a bag of minerals that gets made into a slurry that gets then put into the water. Okay. Are y'all still co-packing with Austin Beer Works, or do y'all have your own? No, we aren't because we just outgrew them, and and we also needed uh, to get into uh, cardboard. We had to do um, fridge packs, um, and so we had to move to a co-packer that had the capabilities of of doing um, cardboard. Um, but yeah, forever grateful to Austin Beer Works for for getting us to market. Uh, we'll never forget those days of showing up with tacos and tasting the water and saying, okay, it's, it's perfect. Let's let it rip. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, so now we're in, uh, we're in cartons. Oh, and also, um, we haven't talked yet about, um, the flavors we've, we've, um, you know, we got to market with the original formula. Um, that was probably two years of, of being in market, um, where we didn't have the flavors. We were all, uh, all original. And then COVID happened and all the bars and restaurants shut down. And then that's when we really went to work on, on developing a couple of uh, flavors and going after retail a little harder. Uh, and so we developed uh, lemon, lime, and grapefruit. We just felt like those were two proven um, flavors that, you know, that consumers would want, but also two flavors that would make for easy cocktail mixing uh, and that the bars would want. Uh, which proved to be right. A lot of the bars uh, use lemon, lime, and grapefruit to mix their cocktails with, in addition to the original. Um, so then we had so we had original lemon, lime, grapefruit, and then about a year ago we introduced a new flavor, Satsuma, uh, which is a mandarin orange. Satsuma is a uh, it's like a small tangerine, mm-hmm. loose skin, really sweet, and it grows really well in Texas. Uh, so we launched Satsuma a year ago, gave Central Market exclusivity on that on the launch of that for the first few months. Uh, which was a big hit. Central Market's been a really great partner, retailer for us. I mean, they they stack Rambler. I mean, like gigantic, like floor pallets of Rambler, and it flies. Um, oh, and, wow, they, and they've also been really good to us in terms of like um, where we're placed on the shelf. Like at least in my Central Market down in South Austin, we're like you know right here, like at chest high, and it's like from it almost takes up the entire aisle. Um, 
And so really grateful to them. To them. Uh, we also have a new flavor uh, that we just rolled out about three weeks ago, uh, Blackberry. Um, that's which, exciting. Yeah, which is really exciting. So that is in, and that's slowly starting to appear in a lot of the retailers. Uh, HEB, there's several stores here in Austin that are already carrying it. Uh, They've Cent- already hit the shelves. Mm-hmm. Central Market has it. So, and really we wanted, uh, you know, uh, the the idea of, of, uh, of going with uh, Satsuma last year in 2023 and then BlackBerry this year is that, you know, we're, they just feel like, uh, you know, Texas uh, fruits uh, that, that grow well here and just really kind of um, feels right for our brand. That's great. And they're tasty. Um, earlier you had talked about how you, how um, Rambler is kind of a premium sparkling water. And again, as a water novice, what's the difference between a premium and a non-premium sparkle? I mean, they're all spicy water to me. So, well, you know, again, it's like, I I feel like there's, there are a lot of things that, that qualify us as being premium. First of all, the taste of the water, um, because does that come through the minerals? Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, purifying the water and taking out all of the existing minerality and any impurities that come in, in municipal water and then putting back this like special blend that we've created uh, carbonating it to the red line. So like our water is carbonated uh, as about as high as it'll go without blowing the lid, which is why sometimes like in the, you know, in the heat of the summer, if it's 105 outside, you don't want to leave a rambler on your dashboard. It's going to blow. Oh, interesting. Um, <laughs> and also sometimes if like, if water's being shipped and it gets thrown around, um, oftentimes the can can bust. Um, it's just because we like having our carbonation as high as it'll go. I didn't realize there was levels to carbonation. Yeah, there's levels. You can you can dial up the or dial down the carbonation, and we're we're at the red line, and we feel like like our mineral blend, the fact that we purify the water, the mineral blend that we put back into it, um, our carbonation level, uh, those tiny sharp bubbles that are so different from like a big explosive Topo Chico bubble that sometimes is even hard to drink, um, and this elevated packaging. Um, and then the fact that we have a give back program that, you know, Texans can feel good knowing that we're, that if you're, you know, that we're giving, that we're taking from Texas, that we're also giving back. Um, and that, you know, we're, we're providing monetary support to Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation on an annual basis, uh, along with helping, you know, uh, raise awareness and message, uh, land and water conservation. So all those things together, uh, feel like makes us premium. We're really the only sparkling water giving back like that. Uh, so I think, but I think consumers recognize it's better tasting. They love the packaging, uh, and they love knowing that we give back. What are the specifics on the give back? I mean, is it X number of dollars or cents? No, it's per not can a percentage or? of sales. It's actually a predetermined uh, financial contribution, uh, and so we actually write them a check every year. And every year since we've been in market, I mean, they recognize in the beginning that we were launching a, a, a sparkling water, and there's no real profit margins in water. It's like you know. Uh, and so, you know, we started out at a small contribution level and it's grown substantially and, and it's a pretty significant number that we give them now. And, uh, we feel, feel good about it. That's great. Um, what's the ratio or the breakdown between your sales in bars and restaurants versus grocery stores? I'm assuming it's mostly grocery stores. Yeah, now it is. It's, uh, grocery stores and, and particularly since, you know, we're in grocery stores all over the country now. Um, and oftentimes if we pick up a new retailer, uh, it comes with, could come with a hundred stores. So, and just like the sell through. So bars and restaurants are great. Um, it's really great for brand awareness and trial. Um, but really, you know, ultimately if we ever, if we want to be like a, a truly successful sparkling water brand and we do want to be, be a national brand and love for someday, I might be dead, but someday, 
uh, for people to you know uh, talk about Rambler um, like they talk about Coca-Cola, and that and that I want it to be a, a national brand that's in everyone's refrigerator. That's an awesome goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know H E B was a big part of growing locally. Was Central Market the first one that took you out of Texas? Yeah. So to, to answer your question about um, becoming a national brand, um, our first real taste of that was Whole Foods coming to us and saying, "Hey, we're going to give you a shot. We're going to give you a Texas, but we're also going to give you a Louisiana, Arkansas, Oklahoma." So they gave us four states. What um, year was that? Uh, man, I, that had to be 2019. Okay. I mean, I think yeah, probably a year after so we got COVID? to market. Yeah, we got to market in 2018 uh, via HEB and uh, and Central Market, uh, and then Whole Foods uh, soon followed with four states, uh, which was really exciting. Um, they've since given us, yeah, I think we have currently have 13 states with Whole Foods uh, and then three more coming this spring. But that was really um, an opportunity for us to pause, too, though, and think about, okay, wait a minute, we're, we're partnered with Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, which is great at the local level in Texas. But if we're going to become a national brand, uh, we probably need a national conservation effort as well because, you know, I think someone drinking Rambler in California or Oregon or uh, New York or Florida, wherever it might be, they might like seeing that. um, But I think they'd probably be happier and feel better knowing if we were giving back in their area. So that's why we reached out to American Rivers and said, hey, we've got a sparkling water. We're partnered with Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation at the local level. We love what you do. We'd love to support. Uh, we worked through a, um, an agreement with them as well. And so uh, we are partnered with Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation at the local level and American Rivers at the national level. So it allows us to you know, talk more about um, the things that American Rivers is doing uh, in different parts of the country and helping those consumers know that we're supporting them, which is in turn supporting them. So when you say you work through a partnership with an organization like that, I mean, what does that look like exactly? Well, it just comes down to like, you know, okay, well, um, how, um, how do we work this out financially? Like, uh, how can we contribute and help you? Um, and in return, um, how do we message American Rivers? And, and that comes down to like, you know, being able to put their logo on our packaging and being able to talk about them in social media. Um, and, and then also just helping consumers understand what the partnership looks like and helping consumers understand that, you know, in, in Oregon that, you know, that, that they might be helping the, the Snake River. So um, anyway, so that, that's really just what it comes down to is just working through an agreement to decide, okay, well, uh, how do we financially support you uh, and then and how do we message American Rivers? Seems like a great win-win. Oh, yeah. On that. No, they so. love it. And, and the foundation too. Like, you know, that has been great partnerships with both. They really enjoy going to their grocery stores and and buying sparkling water and seeing it on the shelf with their logo emblazoned. Um, so it's a win-win for both, for sure. That's and incredible. For, and for cons- consumers. I mean, there's there's a lot of options out there on the shelves. And to, to be able to, like, throw a carton of Rambler in your in your cart uh, and know that you're helping. By, by helping us, um, you in turn are also doing your part. So there's a lot of products out there and a lot of sparkling waters that aren't doing anything they're just putting money in their pocket yeah i mean you've absolutely convinced me i don't think i'll be buying topo chico ever again (laughs) (laughs) Um, i'm curious changing topics a little bit um you know as a hobby landscape photographer um, i'm always fascinated by other people in in that space and so when you moved here it sounded like it was the 80s and and were a photographer i mean there's got to be some fun Austin stories from back in the day. I mean, what was your what was your photography oh, career? Boy. Would you break that down for us? Yeah, 
It's uh, you know, it's funny uh, talking about this, and when I sometimes reflect on my crazy life and the different chapters, I'm really fortunate. Uh, I've had a lot of fun, and there have been a lot of moments in my life where I've where I've decided, where I've thought, man, I, I cannot believe I've gotten away with doing some of the things that I've done uh, and having the careers that I've had, um, because it's uh, I, I have been really fortunate. Um, so I grew up in Houston. My father owned an ad agency. And so I was around his agency a lot. I was uh, I was introduced to you know the art world. Uh, my father was a copywriter and a photographer, and you know I I, I it allowed me to like um, uh, I, I knew at an early age what I wanted to do, and and you know if I wasn't going to be a professional um, baseball player, that uh, I'd probably be in the advertising world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when I was in high school, I was the editor of our high school newspaper and that's when I picked up a camera my father taught me like the the workings of the camera and the f-stop and shutter speed and film speed and all that so um, when I got to college uh, I knew that advertising was what I was going to do and so I um, got a degree in advertising I took one photography class at UT it was just like the intro to photography which was you know kind of a no-brainer I'd already had some experience and it was fun and then I, I remember telling my dad that I uh, that I thought that I wanted to be a photographer, and you know he was a he was a photographer and a copywriter and owned his agency. Um, he did a little bit of everything, and he encouraged me. He said, "Let's don't do that right away." He said, "Just why don't you get a job with an agency and get to work and and learn the the functions of an agency uh, to decide where you really want to be in that world." And so, I. Upon graduation, I got a job with McCann Erickson, um, where I worked for a hot minute, uh, really just like taking out the trash and uh, and um, you know having a good time. And then I got I was fortunate to get a job with GSDNM here in Austin. Are they an ad agency? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah, they're they're a large national agency based here in Austin, um, founded in 1970, I believe. And so, what year would that be? Like early 90s? Uh, I went to work for GSDNM in '95. Okay, yeah. Um, and so I worked for GSDNM for a decade from 95 to 2005. I started out in account service, but then quickly, uh, you know, I think I'd been at GSDNM for all of about six weeks and I had an opportunity to go to LA for, for a TV production. I think it was Chili's Grill and Bar. Uh, but you know, stayed in, stayed in West Hollywood, got to see the beach, went to Santa Monica, um, and got a taste of, of LA and Hollywood and production. And then I came back and told my boss, I said, hey, I think I'm in the wrong department. I want to be in the creative department. I want to touch creative. Um, and and so she said, okay, well, you know, let's talk to broadcast production and see if there are any opportunities for you and broadcast as a producer. Um, and so, uh, but it took me probably a year, if not longer, of just like uh, hassling the, um, the head of production uh, to give me an opportunity. And then finally there was an opportunity for a junior producer and then I worked my way up to producer. And and so then I produced TV commercials for probably eight of the 10 years that I was at GSDNM. I was in production, spending a lot of time in LA and, and moving around the country, um, shooting TV commercials and, and spending a lot of time in, in edit bays. Um, and while doing that, you know, I was also in the bars and the live music venues here in Austin because I was a live music junkie and loved rock and roll. And, and so I was, probably five nights a week was seeing live music. Wow. Uh, and because I had a love for photography, I just started lugging my camera to these shows and shooting my favorite bands. Um, 
and learning lighting uh, and how to shoot in dark smoky bars with available stage lighting and no on-camera flash and just high-speed film. And so that really got me excited because, you know, every time I would go see a band and I'd go drop off film, I'd drop off a handful of uh, rolls of film and not have any idea if I have anything uh, worth looking at. And it was always like Christmas every time I'd go pick up uh, like a contact sheet. And, I, and if there was like out of a roll of 36, if there was like one really cool shot, it got me fired up. And so it allowed me to like, you know, to um, really hone in on my skill. I got more and more excited about it. I got more comfortable with it. Uh, and then I started getting opportunities. And then I got asked to be on the, um, the photography team for ACL Fest. Like it was the first year of the festival. And I got asked to be uh, on the team. That's probably what early two thousands. Yeah, early two thousands. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, because we're twenty years in at least. Um, mm -hmm. So for ten years, uh, I was a stage photographer for ACL Fest and Lollapalooza and um, Fun 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 Fest uh, here locally. And but I was still also you know moving around the bars and restaurants, not restaurants, but the bars and the live music venues um, shooting. Um, but they early on to when I was shooting the live music. I was still employed by GSD&M as a producer. This was just sort of a hobby that I was doing. And they started to take notice of my photography. And uh, one day an art director or an art buyer came to me and said, hey, we've seen your photography. Do you want to do this Southwest Airlines job? We need a, There's an annual report, and we really like your style, and we think you'd be good for this. And it scared the hell out of me, but I thought, man, I, I got to do this because I'm, I'm, I'm interested in photography. And even though my dad sort of like kind of like discouraged me from doing it, I'd been – I'd been working for GSDM for a decade, and I was a little burned out, and I just kind of wanted to see if I could do it. So, um, so yeah, so I took the job, I took the opportunity, um, and shot the annual report, and it turned out great. And then the next year, they asked me to do it again, and then they started funneling other jobs to me, and then it really gave me the confidence uh, to step outside of of GSDM and and being employed and and work for myself. And so I started hustling. I built a website. Um, and started working on a portfolio and started getting jobs. But I knew that I was also interested in comedy and I was interested in portraiture. Um, and so, you know, shooting those bands also, I started shooting band portraits. Uh, but I knew that I was interested in comedy and, and just wanted, if, if I was going to develop a style and be a photographer, that I wanted to have my work to have some sort of like um, a quirk and I wanted, uh, wanted to entertain and so, and I'll never forget, I was actually in L.A. on my very last production job. I was producing a commercial, and I, was, I remember being on the 405, and I remember seeing a, uh, an outdoor board for the 40-year-old virgin, and it was Steve Carroll. And it was a beautifully lit, like, what looked like a school portrait. Uh, I mean, you guys have all seen it. It was the, it was the, it was the poster for the, for the film. Mm-hmm. And I remember it like it grabbing me, and I remember driving by thinking, "What an amazing shot!" As simple as it was, it just looked like a school portrait of Steve Carroll, but it was beautifully lit. Uh, and so I got back to my hotel and I did some research and found out that it was shot by Art Stryber, who's one of the world's greatest photographers. He lives in L.A. And um, anyway, so I reached out to him and just said, "Hey, I really love your work, and in particular, I, I saw this photo you did of Steve Carroll, and I'm really inspired. Uh, love to." you know, assist you if you ever in Austin. And he said, well, he said, I sometimes do come to Austin, and uh, but you should take my workshop in Santa Fe. I'll be doing it this spring. And so 
I signed up for his workshop immediately and went and hung out with him and got to know him and got to become friends with him and started getting like Christmas cards from him every oh, year. Cool. And like, and then every time he would come to Austin, I would assist him. Um, and that's really like, he really inspired me in my style. Um, that also uh, sort of like opened the door and got me thinking about, okay, I, I need to develop a portfolio and I want to start um, shooting in this, in this way where I can laugh my way through the day and entertain people. And at the end of the day, have something that people, you know, um, are entertained by. And, and um, so I, I discovered that the World Beard and Mustache Championships were happening in Anchorage, Alaska. That's such a random trip. <laughs> yeah. That was not what I was expecting. <laughs> no, well, I just stylistically, I was like, all right, I want to, I want to shoot interesting people and I want to, I want to have fun doing this. And so I, I thought, okay, World Beard and Mustache Championships, Anchorage, Alaska, what are the chances that I can go shoot this thing? I reached out to the program director and said, hey, man, I want to come do portraits over your contestants. Um, these guys have, like, wild beards and mustaches, and they're all beautifully styled. And so um, and so I uh, asked him if there was an opportunity for portraits, and he said, yeah, man. He said, we're shooting in the uh, – we're, we're having this event at the uh, convention center in Anchorage. He said, if you want to set up in a room, we'll make an announcement that there's a photographer doing portraits. So I shipped a backdrop. Uh, to Anchorage. Uh, I flew to Anchorage with all my equipment, all my lighting equipment, um, and I set up a studio in this room, and they made an announcement. And so for, uh, I think it was eight hours, I did portraits nonstop. Um, did, I think I took one bathroom break and wow. ate a slice of pizza standing Jeez. up because there were so, it was like shooting you know, fish in a barrel. It's like there were so many people there, and these guys are all exhibitionists, and they all wanted to have their photo taken. So there was just a line like out the door, and so I just shot and shot and shot, and I ended up with like 120 portraits, and I came back and put them on my website, and it started getting picked up by uh, news outlets. Uh, I think ABC News did a story on it, uh, Wall Street Journal. On the, the on the on um, on on you my, or the on my, on my your portraits wow. of the World Beard and Mustache Championships. Um, and this was a long this is a long time ago. This is probably 2009, I think. Um, so that was still film, or is that were you digital at that point? It was the dawning of digital. Okay. Yeah, it was, um, which allowed me to like you know, um, it was less scary. Uh, allowed me to like you know, I was able to like set up my lights and kind of craft my light and 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 see on my camera what I was going to get, so mm -hmm. I could feel good knowing, uh, going into this thing. I mean, I can't imagine shooting 120 portraits on film and then getting your film back and discovering that you were. Uh, uh, your lighting was terrible or that you weren't, you know, exposed properly. That's what I was just thinking. I was like, man, if that was film, one, yeah, that was man. just a ton of film. Well, some of those, well then... those early commercial days that I did, I shot film and, and like talk about it, you know, I mean, just like terrified, like handing over like a Ziploc bag full of slide film and not knowing if you got it. My dad wanted to be a photographer way back when and in college took a photography class, went and shot a friend's wedding. The entire thing was the exposure was off. It oh, wasn't a single sure. good photo, and my dad is like scarred from photography oh, sure. because of that. Well, I, sh <laughs> I shot a wedding or two in the early days, and I remember like getting my film back and thinking this is garbage, and I'd be pissed off if I were these people, <laughs> and I'd never want to shoot a wedding again. Yeah. Um, but then I uh, also had an opportunity to display those portraits that work in New York uh, at, at um, it's called um, uh, Chelsea um, Chelsea Market. Uh, a place in Chelsea, like this big sort of like um, market, retail market type place where they're like uh, restaurants and people like, I mean, thousands of people every day walking through. And they saw the work and allowed me to line the walls with my portraits, like large. Right. So like, you know, like two feet by three feet, like 
gold ornate frames of these ridiculous beards and mustaches. And so that was a really cool opportunity. And that's when I really felt like, holy cow, like I'm, I'm doing it and this feels good. Um, and I actually remember going back to take, I mean, it stayed up for a couple of months and I remember going back to New York to take the show down. And I saw uh, Michael Richards, uh, Kramer from Seinfeld actually looking at uh, a photo. And I remember thinking, man, this is what a moment. Um, so anyway, that's, that's how, really how I got started and getting opportunities to shoot commercial, like we're, we're advertising agencies, if they had, um, you know, a campaign, if they had um, uh, a shoot that called for portraiture that might be sort of unique and, and quirky and, and, its, and its style, that's when I started getting calls and that's when it felt really good, like, okay, I've, I've sort of crafted a style and now people sort of like think of me for shooting this kind of weird, ridiculous stuff uh and this will be fun so and so i did that for 15 years i was a commercial shooter and then toward the end of that actually because of my broadcast production background and producing tv commercials i started um uh, directing uh some commercials and some and some video content for gsdm and other agencies um which was interesting and fun it was just sort of it was different because i was just behind a monitor uh, mainly working with the talent and directing and I had somebody else operating camera and doing all the lighting and so that was interesting and fun and right when I was sort of you know kind of like feeling good about all that is when we had the idea of doing Rambler and then I just decided man I gotta throw everything at this this sparkling water idea and see if this is gonna work um, so I bailed on photography um, the year that we got to market in 2018 so I haven't really I haven't shot my camera and and six years now. Well, that's I was curious if you still got out just for fun. Hobby, no, it's know. all on my phone now. And I mean, I, you know, I do our social media and um, I've got a couple of teenage daughters. And uh, so I photograph their, you know, volleyball and basketball games and their events. Um, but in terms of like, I mean, I still yesterday got an email from somebody who thinking that I still shoot saying, hey, can you bid on this job? And I always just refer other photographers. Yeah, so I don't care. Too yeah, I just point. I'm all in on, on Rambler. Yeah. What was that transition like? Um, nerdy photography question here though I mean I came I picked up a camera and we were far in the digital age and mm -hmm. so you know I pick I started with you know a mirrorless camera and Lightroom so kind of skipped a lot of the photography journey but I mean you were a professional photographer when everything went from film to digital so I mean, what was that like how, how was the industry responding during that time um, well the the in the dawning of the digital uh, the you know the cameras were crap the sensors were crap um, and um, I, I remember buying my first digital camera and thinking, wow, this is amazing. I can see what I'm getting immediately and I can make any adjustments on my exposure. And, um, and I remember buying a digital camera and like that night taking it to go see the Gourds play. Uh, and I'm sure Kevin Russell and the rest of the band, they were probably annoyed with me because I was just like, I shot the entire, the entire show because I wasn't having to, you know, limit uh, mm -hmm. how much I was shooting. Whereas you know, before when I was shooting film, I was being really careful and really artful about the shots um, because I might take two or three rolls of film and, and you know, you just got to just gotta not – you can't overshoot. Um, but with digital, I was just, like, flying around, like, all night long and just overshooting, um, which, you know, I think today is just a different craft now. It's like now you can overshoot and you can shoot a ton, and it's just like a numbers game now. Mm -hmm. um, but back in the day, you had to be thoughtful – it's funny. There's a um, uh, Napoleon Dynamite. I don't know if you remember Napoleon. Oh yeah, big time. Napoleon Dynamite. Vote for Pedro. He, yeah, yeah. Well, and his <laughs> his uh, girlfriend was a photographer. Oh yeah, that's right. And there's right. that yeah, one yeah. scene where she uh, was taking a portrait, and she and she 
clicks a shutter and I was like, okay, got it. And like she took one shot. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how it was back in the day. You just like, sometimes you just took a small number of images and it's like, all right, well, I think I got it. I think that, you know, it's kind of, yeah, it's definitely shifted the art form because exactly what you're saying for me, it's easy to go out and, you know, I go on a landscape photography type hike and I can shoot 500 photos mm -hmm. easy, you know, depending on what, especially if it's like birds or wildlife or something. Um, but yeah, definitely there's a part of me that wishes or maybe might still buy a film camera because it's so easy to go out there and overshoot. And then it's kind of hard, like it, it challenges the art form a little bit. Maybe it doesn't, you know, but it's, it's interesting. I tell a lot of new people when they're getting into photography, go out and overshoot mm -hmm. and just, and learn your style, learn what photos you like. And then as you get better, you won't have to overshoot as much and you can start getting more crafted. Yeah. And, and so now when I go out, I almost challenge myself a little bit to try not to overshoot because I used to go out and do, you know, five, 600 photos. Easy. Yeah, no, it's a luxury now, but I, I would, I would say uh, it, it certainly makes it easier to kind of uh, learn the craft and hone your skill. Um, and there's something really cool about like you know, instant gratification, um, but also something really cool about, you know, handing over some rolls of film to a lab and then going back and getting a contact sheet and looking at it. Um, I mean, that's exciting. That's fun. Mm -hmm. But I would say if you, you know, for anybody who's wanting to get into photography now, I'm, I'm removed from it. So I don't even know if I, uh, should be the one giving advice on photography and getting into it now, but. I would do both. I would, I would, I would shoot digital, um, but also carry a film camera, throw a roll of film in it, uh, and I think just like that's an exciting thing mm -hmm. um, to to work through that and and understand uh, how lighting really works. Um, so, yeah, I think film kind of forces you into that a bit more for sure. Yeah, yeah. The iPhone cameras, <coughs> excuse me, the iPhone cameras nowadays. Are yeah, incredible. Yeah, they're wild. Um, and that, and and again, like I mean, I sh I do our social media, and oftentimes I'm shooting a can of Rambler and some food or a cocktail or whatever it might be, and it's all done on my iPhone, and it's you know throw it in portrait mode, and um, you're off to the races. Yeah, a little Lightroom action. And yeah, then you, man, it's and amazing. It's, yeah. Well, and it's also like there at your fingertips, like the you know the the media is already in your phone and ready to go. Mm -hmm. So. So much easier having to go home, develop film, I mean, I, take, do the hard drive and the whole thing. Yeah, you know? I don't want to. I don't want to download files and process files mm -hmm. and all that. Well, what's the future of Rambler? Have y'all had any discussions or landed on Coca Cola's radar? Um, you know, we've um, there have been a couple of, of beverage companies to reach out to us. Um, you know, asking questions and and wanting to talk. I think it's. It's too early. I th we're still focused on growing this business and building this brand. And, and like, I wake up every day really proud of what we've built. And, um, I mean, you know, who knows? One one day somebody might come knocking and, and might say, hey, we really love your your uh, your sparkling water and um, here's a whole lot of money. I mean, and that's something, you know, cross that bridge later. Mm -hmm. I, but right now it's like um, I'm just – I'm really – happy and fortunate to have a sparkling water brand to work on that i i love drinking it it's um it's in my refrigerator it's all i drink i, I rarely even drink flat water i mean it's and there's a lot of people who ask that question like is it okay to drink nothing but sparkling water uh do you have to drink flat water to be properly hydrated and the answer is no i mean like sparkling water is just as hydrating as flat water um the only reason why you might not be as hydrated is you might not drink as much of it because of the carbonation. You might just get bloated. But um, sparkling water is hydrating, um, and I sometimes will guzzle a, a glass of flat water, but I probably have six to eight cans of Rambler a day just out of habit. I'm just always drinking it. 
Um, and again, the minerals are good for you. So yeah. and sodium free. What's your go-to flavor? Original. Just original, yeah. Original, and the flavors are all really good because they're all essence. They're not. Uh, there's no um, no sweeteners. Uh, there's no artificial flavoring. Uh, there's no. I mean, it's it's all. We use like the. I think that it's like the oils from the rinds is how is how they derive our uh, flavoring, and so it's all natural. Um, grapefruit is really good. I mean, that's uh, that's one of my favorites because it's so light in essence. Um, the satsuma is is uh, it's kind of a new favorite for a lot of people, but I think this blackberry that just got to market. I've had a lot of people who've had it, who have reached out, either who know me personally or just through Instagram, uh, to say, "Holy cow, this is my new favorite flavor," and you nailed it. So. Um, Where can we find that locally? Where can you, is that Central some Market? Some HEBs have it. Central Market has it. Okay. Um, I do know that there's some HEBs that where it's just hard to keep it on shelf. I mean, it's flying. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, just more Rambler. Versions. I'm sorry. Will Rambler Please. ever be like a soft drink machine where you can get it from a machine at, you know, Peach Aries or something? Um, well, I, yeah, I think that comes down to distribution and like in the, there are uh, certain companies that, that uh, operate those vending machines. Um, interesting about P. Terry's, love P. Terry's. Um, I mean, I, I, my daughters and I eat our fair share of P. Terry's weekly, but, um, Mr. Terry lives here local as well. Yeah, he does. I had a, I think I had an email banter with him, like maybe 2018, right when we got the markets to, Hey, would you have any interest in carrying Rambler? Um, and he was interested in the brand and loved the brand, but, um, wasn't ready to bring in like a, you know, a canned, um, beverage. Um, so I'd love to continue that conversation. I was just thinking yeah. Dr. Pepper comes in a can, so when, you know you get it at a fast food joint, and the deal is just carbonated. Yeah, and the soda yeah. fountain thing. Yeah, yeah, so I was just curious. I'm sure oh, there's you like mean, some... Oh, you mean like from, from a soda fountain, like actually like... Yeah, have, um, have Rambler as a, um, a large cup and fill it up. You know, it's, it's possible. That's an operations uh, sort of thing to work through. Um, the reason why we might not do that and why we sometimes... We've had asked people... Restaurants have asked us to keg Rambler. Hard to control the minerality and the carbonation oh, when it comes to that. And so I'm really careful about, you know, the production of, of this and just wanting to make sure that every every can that is consistent. You um, might lose some quality control putting it in a, having someone else yeah, and mix it. Yeah, and so it's it's you're right, it's quality control and gotcha. just consistency. But um, who knows? I mean, someday we'll see. Very cool. cool. Well, what have we missed on the Rambler story? What else uh, do we need to get out there about you guys? Um well, we also have an energy drink, and a lot of people don't even know that. Yeah, I had so, no idea. Tell us about that. So we have an energy drink that's Yopan, and Yopan is um, North America's native caffeine. It's a holly bush, and the leaf is caffeine. The bush has a little red berry on it, um, and it grows wild, and it's probably in everyone's front yard. Um, so we actually source Cat Springs Yopan down near Sealy, use that as our concentrate. And so it's really, it's like, it's a cousin to Yerba Mate, which is a South American plant. And again, Yopan is North America's native caffeine. Um, and so um, it's a all natural, um, essentially it's a tea. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes in 16 ounce cans. We've got two flavors, peach and blackberry mint. Uh, it's about 100, I think it's 120 milligrams of plant-based caffeine. So there's no crash, there's no jitters. Um, it has a small amount of natural cane sugar. Uh, they're delicious. Uh, it's a really good pick-me-up. Uh, and those are... You know, our focus is sparkling water, but we saw an opportunity to get in the energy business as well. Um, and so, um, yeah, Rambler Energy uh, can be found in, in some some grocery stores. Uh, Whole Foods and Central Market both carry it. Uh, it's in, uh, I think Wheatsville might have it. It's in, uh, I mean, you know, you can find it at like Tom's and a lot of uh, convenience stores around town. So 
Uh, so we've got sparkling water and we've got energy and um, anyway, I'm proud of what we're doing. That's very exciting. There's a Tom's right here. I'm going to go look for yeah, it. I'm, for I'm it. tired today. I feel like yeah. I need one. Now you got me thinking yeah. about caffeine. Well, very cool. Um, I, I, from a conservation's perspective and just the way you guys are running the business, I'm very impressed and very thankful to have you guys doing it. Um, it's very rare to see a company, you know, doing a can like this, working with the state park system and giving back. And so, um, I think it's incredible. I'm very thankful to have you guys. Um, I don't want to cut us short. I mean, is there anything else we'd like, like to talk about with your life story, Rambler, anything no, along those man, lines? You don't know, want to know any more about my life. Um, <laughs> it's pretty crazy right now, but uh, a lot of work, um, having a lot of fun. That's great. Yeah, man. Is there Just any- trying to stay hydrated and keep everybody else hydrated. Um, do you want to give Instagram info, email? I mean, do you want people oh, yeah. to get a hold of you, anything like that? So our, our website is ramblersparklingwater.com. Our Instagram is rambleraustin. Um, and, uh, yeah, look for us around town, um, all throughout Texas and beyond. Uh, this past year, we were the official sparkling water of ACL Fest, which was really cool. Right on. Awesome. Um, we'll be doing that again this year, uh, taking on other sponsorships, other festivals. Uh, we're actually going to get outside of Texas, and um, we're going to be the official sparkling water of a festival in uh, Pasadena, California, in May called Just Like Heaven, um, which is going to be a fun festival. Uh, it uh, takes place at the Rose Bowl or just outside of uh, the Rose oh, Bowl very cool. in a park right adjacent to the Rose Bowl. And so now I feel in last summer we actually uh, were a part of the GoPro Mountain Games in, in Vail, Colorado. So these these sponsorship opportunities, this is a great a way for us to be able to you know get some brand awareness and trial and uh in markets where we're now sitting on grocery shelves um so we'll be doing a lot more of that kind of thing uh, but you know man we're just we're just having fun and i love hearing from people every day that holy cow you guys are really doing it and i see you out there um and water tastes great so i love it last yeah. question oh, i'm sorry i was gonna say congratulations on all the success yeah thank you appreciate it i can't wait to see what y'all make out of it thank you what about the merch Oh, merch is available through our website. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So this guy right here. Yeah. Um, this was a hat we did um, last spring, summer, uh, which was a big hit. This thing's flying. Yeah. Um, it's an all mesh uh, lid. Uh, but we've got some other merch. Uh, we did some winter merch. So we've got some beanies and some hoodies. And um, so we'll we'll try and uh, elevate that merch game and uh, give people what they want. Cool. That's yeah. very exciting. Well, thank you, Dave. We really appreciate the time and having you come on. Cool. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you.